Well, way back in 1809, Napoleon's army was beginning to surround and preparing to attack the city of Feldrich, Austria. And the town council quickly got together so they could discuss whether they wanted to you know, put up a defense hoping that the Austrian army would show up to help them or if they just wanted to surrender. Now, it happened to be Easter Sunday morning, and the council was meeting in a local church. And the pastor happened to be there, and he had listened to everything they were talking about, and when he found his opportunity, because pastors have to do this, pastors always have to put their two cents in there, no matter what. He said, friends, we may think that we can defend ourselves, and we may think that we can rely on our own strength, but I believe we will fail. He said, but... Since it is the day that we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord, I suggest that we ring the church bells, that we praise our God, and that we put this situation into his hands. And knowing that only he has the power to defend us anyway. And the town council listened to him, and they agreed. So they begin to ring the church bells all throughout the city, calling people uh, to worship on that Easter Sunday morning. But the French heard the, heard the bells also, and they thought they were ringing the bells because the Austrian army had showed up to defend the city. So before Easter Sunday service was even over, the enemy had left. So, can we learn to praise when we're attacked? Or do we foolishly think that we can continue to defend ourselves? We're going to start a a quick little three-week Sunday uh, sermon series this morning called Preparing the Way. And this morning, I want to show you a couple of ways that praise affects us and ultimately prepares the way for the Lord to move in, to move among, and to move through us. In Isaiah chapter 62, starting in verse 10, it says, Go through. Go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, clear the stones. Now, this is a twofold prophecy about the return of Israel from foreign captivity. And this prophecy was actually made before Israel was, was ever even taken into captivity. But there's a second part and a second meaning to the prophecy. And it speaks about Jesus coming. And we see that clearly in verse 11, where it says, Look, your Savior is coming. He brings his reward with him as he comes. And we see Jesus fulfilling the prophecy of coming through the gates of Jerusalem in Matthew 
chapter 21, verse 10. It says, and he entered Jerusalem. The whole city was stirred up. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. Are we stirred when Jesus enters? Do we even notice when Jesus enters? Jesus himself said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. And here we are this morning. There's more than two or three, not many more than two or three. And we're not, we're not gathered in the name of New Covenant Church, and we're definitely not gathered in the name of Chris Bauer. We're here gathered in the name of Jesus. So if we believe the scripture where he said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm among them, we have to believe that the Spirit of the Lord is here with us this morning. And we see Jesus fulfilling the prophecy of clearing the way when he entered the temple and turned over the table of the money changers and he drove out all who tried to turn the worship of God into a money-making scheme. And then in verse 21, it says, And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. When we clear the way, when we get everything out of the way, when we, when we get tradition out of the way, when we get religion out of the way, when we get our self out of the way, people get ministered to. Spiritually blind, spiritually lame. Physically blind, physically lame. Jesus can minister. And then in verse 15 it says, But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these people are saying? And Jesus said, Yes. Yes, I do. I hear what they're saying. Yes. Have you never read? Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders of the time. And he's almost saying, I'm shocked you would even be upset about this. Have you never read in the scripture where it says, Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have prepared praise. Jesus was clearing the way. He was clearing the obstacles to real worship and real ministry. And the people began to praise because of it. And that upset the religious folks. Sometimes we prefer to substitute form and tradition for a move of God. But Jesus' answer, when they ask him, do you hear what they're saying? Jesus' answer is what we really need to look at. He said, out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have prepared praise. And Jesus was quoting from Psalm 8, but he made one little change. Psalm 8 verse 2 says, out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength. You have established strength. 
Jesus said praise was prepared. But the scripture actually says that strength is prepared. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was making the point that praise strengthens us. Why do we need to be strengthened through, through praise? The last part of the scripture tells us. Psalms 8, 2. Let me just read the whole thing. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. What was Jesus saying? We're all going to have foes. Now, we're not talking about human beings. You understand that, right? Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that we don't wrestle with people. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against demonic forces. Those are our enemies. And Jesus was saying right here that out of the mouth of even young ones, God has established strength through praise, and it's going to shut the enemy's mouth. So let's look at two ways that praise strengthens us. First, praise strengthens hope. Praise strengthens hope. Psalms 71 Verses 14 and 15. For I will hope continually and will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day. Let me read the first part again. But I will hope continually and will praise you more and more. To hope continually, we have to praise more and more. What's coming out of our mouth, that'll show us how strong we are in hope. The word hope, the, the, the Hebrew word hope here in this scripture can be translated expectation. And once again, what you expect can be heard in what you say. Luke 6 tells us that good or evil comes from our inner treasure or what's in our heart. And it says in, in verse 45, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever's in there in abundance is what's going to come out. Proverbs 18 tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue and we will eat its fruit. There is power in what we say, and there's power in what we expect. So much so that, that the Proverbs tells us that even death and life proceeds out of our mouth. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, looking at somebody and going, I hope you die, and, and them falling over dead. But you know, somebody can walk in a room, and with the words of their mouth, they can kill the whole atmosphere. Or they can bring life to an atmosphere. With the words of our mouth, we can, we can put somebody down and crush somebody's spirit. But with the words of our mouth, we can lift somebody up and they're feeling full of life. So listen to what you say. And then you'll know what's in your heart in abundance. If you find yourself griping and complaining a lot, you need to say, Lord, where's my hope? 
And the question may come, so how does praise strengthen our expectation? How how does praise strengthen our hope? Praise changes the focus from our problem to God. Hope focuses our mind and our emotions on God. When our mind and emotions are focused on God, our hope is strengthened. And the quickest way to focus on God is through praise. Now, I know I've told this story several times over the last uh, uh, two and a half years. Some of you have never heard it, so it's new to you, okay? But when I was going through the, uh, a, a life-threatening uh, sickness, month after month after month. Now, at first, when I first went to the doctor and the doctor said, oh, you just have a virus, go home, you'll get over it. My hope was in what the doctor had said. But as month after month drug on, my hope in what the doctor had said really started to, to drop. And now I'm trying to just talk with God. What's going on, God? What's going on, Lord? And I'm praying. One day I'm laying in a bed and I'm praying and I'm saying, Lord, why, why am I struggling so much with faith? Why am I struggling so much just to believe that you have my best interest in mind? Why am I struggling so hard to believe that you're with me going through this? And the Lord said, you're not struggling with faith. You're struggling with hope. And see, that changed the way that that I thought because I had been taught that that hope was almost like Faith's weird little stepbrother. You don't want to be in hope. You want to be in faith. Can't live in hope. You have to be in faith. And people would, would, would actually almost talk down hope. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul writes, Now abide faith, hope, and love. He's saying these three things are powerful. So if hope is in the same list as faith, maybe we need hope along with our faith. And the Lord began to speak to me when he, when he said, you're not, you're not struggling with faith, you're struggling with hope. And he showed me just like this. He said, Faith is of your spirit. Faith is birthed in your spirit. Your spirit is connected with my spirit. 1 Corinthians tells us that. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Our spirit is connected with the Lord. Faith comes from the spirit. But hope is of our emotional realm, our mind, our emotions, what we may call the soul. And if our soul is so beat down, if our mind and our emotions is so caught up with with the situation or with the problem, it is actually stifling our faith. So we need hope. Our hope needs to be full so it can connect with faith. We need to be strong in hope. 
And as the Lord spoke that to me, I saw it just like that. And I said, well, Lord, how do I, how do I, how do I change what's going on? And he said, begin to praise. Begin to praise. Well, I, I, I could barely talk. Well, what did I do? I just put on some praise. I put on some worship. And I just begin to listen to it. You know that music was created to minister to your emotions, right? Am I surprising anybody? Let any one of you hear that song that you loved so much in high school. That that was your jam. You hear that song and you have this emotional response to it, don't you? Because God created music to connect with our emotions, to connect with our mind. So even with worship, which should be the highest form of music, with worship, with praise, it's going to connect with our emotions and with our mind. And, and I put on that music, and I just begin to listen to it. And I begin to listen to the words. And it begin to minister to me. And after a while, I'm hearing the words. I'm even singing the words. And guess what? My emotions and my mind start to connect with that. And now I'm praising. Now I'm speaking out. Now I'm declaring what the Lord is saying about the situation. Because my hope level was being brought back up. So my faith could connect with that. I stayed pretty full in hope for quite a while. That was 2018 when I was so sick. 2019, and I'm, this church was on fire. 2019 was a great year for New Covenant Church. I mean, we were growing. Some of you may remember Sunday mornings, this room was packed. We had all the chairs out. There was no room. Uh, the kids' rooms, they were overflowing so much to the point that, that we had an architect draw us plans to build a new wing. We had new, uh, new bathrooms, new kids' rooms, a youth room that we were going to put right out here. We had started a capital campaign to, to start to raise money to do it. And we had so much momentum. There was so much excitement going on. Then we came into 2020. We actually had to shut down the church. Church was shut down for two months. I didn't get to see people. It really affected me. And then we're, we're coming back and we're going to open back up in, in, at the first of, of June, end of May, first of June. And I just expected everybody to come rushing back. And they didn't. They didn't come back. And that affected me. That bothered me. That brought me to a place basically of, of I call it melancholy because I don't like to say depression because I know depression, uh, clinical depression uh, is a real disease. But I was down. Where is everybody? Where's that family that, that we spent so much time with at the end of 2019? If we hadn't have spent so much time with them, they'd be divorced today. Where were they? Where was that family that, that lost their job during COVID that the church had, had paid rent and, and paid car payments and, and paid utility bills? Where were they? Where was everybody? 
And I started taking it personally. <laughs> People don't like me. People don't want to come back and listen to me. <laughs> and I started getting really, really down. And I'm like this. All through the last part of 2020. And I would kind of recognize it and I would do something about it. But then I'd, I'd go right back down again. And I'd get to the place where I just didn't have any motivation. You know, what's the use? They don't care. Why should I care? And I'm just, I'm just being honest with you guys, okay? I'm just being honest with you. So much so that I, I noticed it last week, and I'm going, Lord, I've got to shake myself out of this. I have got to get out of this. But this morning at 3 o'clock in the morning, I woke up, and I'm thinking about a family, a family that I haven't seen in a while, a family that, that you know, they, oh, we want to do this, oh, we want to do this, oh, we want to do this. Where are they? And I started getting down again. And then I got up, and I started to, to kind of go through my message, but I just couldn't, my, my mind would not connect with it. So I got up. And I'm trying to go through my message, and it just, my mind is just all over the place. And then it dawns on me, what I'm preaching on this morning is what I need to hear. I need to preach to myself. So I preached to myself this morning, gave an altar call. But I just begin to praise I did. I said, Lord, I praise you. I praise you for those that are there. Thank you, Lord. I've got friends that, that are pastoring that, that three-fourths of their church did not come back. I was talking to one of them just a couple of weeks ago, and he said, I don't even know if it's worth it anymore. So I praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for those that are here. Thank you, Lord, for those that are faithful. Thank you, Lord, for those that are fighting through this with us. Thank you, Lord. And then I looked down at, at our kitchen table, and there's a catalog that Lisa had been looking through, and right on the front of it, it said, expect something special. I said, Lord, I do. I expect something special. But you know, I'm not the only one that has gone through this. There are many people that have battled hopelessness during this last year. Yes, through COVID, through the unrest in the country, through a brutal election uh, season, people have lost jobs. But Psalms 42.11 says, Why are you cast down, O oh, my soul? Man, it's speaking right to me. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? What's the answer when my soul is cast down? When I'm feeling that turmoil, what's the answer? Hope in God. Hope in God. For I shall praise Him again. I shall praise Him again. My God and my salvation. So when your hope is feeling low, begin to praise. Begin to praise. All right, the second thing. The second thing that praise will strengthen. Praise strengthens 
unity. See, hope brings strength for us, for you individually, but unity strengthens us all. Ephesians 5. Verse 15, starting in verse 15, says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. In other words, live a life worthy of God's trust and investment in you. Verse 17, don't act thoughtlessly. But understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Other versions say that's just wasteful. Why be drunk with wine? It's just a waste. It's here for a moment and then it's gone. He says instead, be filled with the Spirit. So don't be controlled by anything but the Spirit of God. Let praise be in your mouth. Not alcohol, not drugs, not gossip, not judgment, not bitterness. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we're we're filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 19 says, we'll be singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among ourselves. In other words, we praise together even if we don't like the song. We praise together. Many years ago, I say many years ago, probably 10 years ago, when I was doing video production, we got hired to to come into a, a very traditional, very liturgical type of church. Very nice people, but just not really my flavor. You understand what I'm saying? They hired us to come in and videotape their Christmas Eve um, choral production and reading. And it lasted an hour and a half, and I thought I'd been there five days. It was, oh. oh. Fast forward a year. We get hired to do the exact same thing. And I was dreading it. Lord, I don't want to go again. I don't want to do this again. There's not going to be anything different than what they did last year. They're going to sing the same songs. They're going to read the the, the same little readings that they have in that same monotone voice. The preacher's going to speak in a very sing-songy voice because this is how he spoke. God loves you. And I'm like, so I'm, I'm setting up the camera. I'm setting up microphones, and I'm complaining. I'm just, I'm complaining. And the Lord said, if you'll look for me, you'll find me here. Well, well. Where two or three are gathered in his name, he might just be there, right? Just because it's not the way I like to gather. Just because it's not the way I like to do it. Those people were there to worship in a way that ministered to them. And I was just being critical. So I began to listen to what they were singing. I began to listen to the readings. And it was powerful. It was good. And I began to feel the presence of the Lord there so much so that I just wanted to let go of my camera, put my hands up, and start praising. 
But the thing was, just because it was not my flavor, just because it was not the, the worship band I like to listen to or the song I like to sing, didn't mean God wasn't in it. So we do it together so we can do it in unity. And the end of that verse says, making music to the Lord in your hearts. Let's praise. Let praise be a way of life coming out of the abundance of our heart. Verse 20, and give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have a heart of gratitude, and it will be seen and heard, and the result of it will be, verse 21, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What? That's not where I was expecting that to go. I thought that when I praised the Lord, I'd get everything that I wanted. I thought that's the way it was supposed to work. No, when we get in unity, when we, when we worship the Lord together, when we pray the Lord together and there's a unity in the body, we somehow become responsible and accountable for each other. Your needs become my needs and vice versa. Unity is walking together where I watch out for you and you watch out for me. Because there's nothing worse in the world than feeling alone when you're going through something. Who can I talk to? Who can I tell? What if they judge me? But you know what? When we're in unity together, you know. We're going to do this together no matter what it is, no matter what you're going through. We're going to do this together. Unity is being in stride for a common goal. Now, let me tell you what unity is not. What unity is not. Unity is not conformity. Many people conform out of a need for acceptance. I need to be liked. I need to be a part. So I'm going to conform. I've been, in a, I've been on staff at a church like that before where everybody else saw it one way, but I saw it another way, and I went against my own convictions because everybody else was saying it this way, but it never sat right with me. And as we've gone through the years, I figured out I was right. <laughs> And I should have known it anyway because all I wanted to do was love unlovely people. Oh, that person doesn't belong in the church. Why not? It's not conformity. See, God created us as individuals with unique callings and gifts with the ability to see situations differently. We need to see it differently because if we don't, we're not seeing the whole picture. So I've got a little, little exercise for you here today. What color is the paper? What if I said it was green? Would you argue with me? Would you get angry? Because there's people that get angry when you, don't, when you don't see it their way. That's definitely not unity. That's division. Now, if I was forceful enough and persuasive enough 
you might conform to what I'm saying and say, okay, it's green. But in your heart, you know it's yellow, right? But the truth is, what I'm looking at is green. And I need you to see the other side for me because I can only see what I can see. God created me to see it from my perspective. But I need your perspective to see the whole thing. And you need my perspective. Now, what if there were five ways of seeing it? Ephesians 4, verse 11 says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. These are gifts given to the church. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, and the pastor and teacher. Five of them. The pastor may only see green. But I need the evangelist or the prophet or the teacher or the apostle to see the yellow. And because we're walking in unity, I can trust you even though I don't see it that way. Verse 13. Well, verse 12. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Whose responsibility is it? Just one of them? All five of them, right? So if we only have one of them, we're weak. If we only have one of them, we're only seeing it one way. If we only have one of them, and we only see it one way, then we're going to start pointing fingers at the ones that see it a different way. And that's division. That's not unity. Verse 13, just in case you grew up in one of those churches that said, oh, yeah, all that ended. Verse 13, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now I'm just going to take a poll. How many of you think that the church, not just this church, but all churches all over the place, that we fully measure up to the complete standard of Christ. Nobody wants to take that one? What about being mature? Well, until we become mature in Christ, until we become uh, unified in Christ, and until we come to the complete standard of Christ, we still need the ministry of all five. And that will bring us into unity. 
We need each other. And the common purpose, we need the common purpose of building the kingdom. And that gives us reason for unity. See, praise draws our hearts together and produces real unity. Corporate praise unifies us to do what we've been called to do. And it fills us full of hope for the destiny that God has called us to fulfill together. We're strengthened as we praise together. Not just in song, but in preaching and testimony and prayer. All of that is praise. And we show a heart of praise when we strengthen each other by showing mercy and grace and by carrying each other's hurts and troubles. Listen to me. It is a praise to God when we stand up for the overlooked and fight for the outcast. When we affirm the love of God to those who feel unloved or feel unworthy of that love. We stir hope and strength in our fellow human beings. And the enemy absolutely hates it. Why does he fight unity? Why does he fight praise so hard? He wants us to think that it's unnatural. I've had people tell me when, I, when they're in a situation and I'll say, well, you need to praise. I'm not saying praise for the situation. Thank you, Lord, that I, my leg just got cut off. That's not what I'm saying. But we can praise in a situation. Praise in a situation. And the enemy wants us to think it's unnatural, unnecessary, or even unuseful. And I'll finish with this story. Tradition claims that the church of the Holy Sepulchre is built over the cave where Jesus was buried. But in 2002... The Church of the Holy Sepulchre was the, the, the site of an all-out brawl between the monks that oversee the church. And it all started when a Coptic monk, there's Coptic monks and there's Ethiopian monks there, when a Coptic monk moved his chair into the shade. It was a sunny day, and he moved his chair into the shade. The problem was his chair, and he was now sitting in the part of the courtyard that was controlled by the Ethiopian monks. For hundreds of years, these two groups have argued and fought over the courtyard. And this brings us to a Monday in July of 2002 when a Coptic monk just simply moved his chair into the shade. There was screaming, there was yelling, and then it turned into a fist fight. They started throwing chairs at each other. 
In the end, 11 monks had been injured. One with a broken arm and one who had been knocked unconscious. How tragic that a church which serves as a memorial to Jesus is the scene for such bitter conflict between his followers. Sounds like church at times. The monks, they've never learned that there is unity and strength in praising God despite their differences. And we have to realize that praising together in unity builds hope and prepares the way for God to move among us. So what I want you to know, praise is given to God, but it benefits us. Praise strengthens hope and unity individually and corporately. What do I want you to feel? I want you to feel that no matter what, your gift, your calling, and your opinion is of value in a church that seeks unity instead of conformity. And what do I want you to do? Well, 1 Corinthians 11 tells us that if we will truly judge ourselves, that we won't be judged. So I want us to take a moment and examine our hearts with the help of the Holy Spirit. Are we low in hope because we easily see other people's issues instead of seeing them as God sees them? We could go down the line and pick out things in people's lives starting right here. But when we choose to see people the way that God sees them, we understand that now I just get the opportunity to walk with them on this journey. And if they're struggling and they need help, that's what I'm there for. Are we low in hope because our heart is not full of praise? When situations get tough, you know, it's, it's easy to praise when everything's going great, isn't it? Do you ever find yourself struggling with unity because you struggle with being vulnerable enough to let somebody else watch over you? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Whatever the Holy Spirit is saying to you, that's all you're responsible to do. So let's ask him real quick, okay? Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that dwells in us. Your word tells us that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we're asking you right now to show us In what areas in our life where hope may be low? What areas in our life that we may not be walking in unity? 
What areas in our life that, that we choose to, to point fingers and to accuse instead of walking alongside? Lord, is, a, is there a place in my life that I've just not turned over to you? Therefore, I'm struggling. Lord, give us the courage to praise. The struggle is real, but the praise is more powerful. Lord, we choose to praise you. We choose to ring the bells when the enemy comes against us. Lord, we choose to praise our God even when it looks like things are falling apart. Because Lord, no matter what, you are good. And we believe you and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.